I, I remember you being quite argumentative. <laughs> that hasn't changed. <laughs> Welcome to With Those I've Journeyed, an exploration of life's contours, intersections, and developments. I'm your host for today, Ben Kickert. In this episode, I speak with my former teacher and soccer coach, Brian Elliott. Coach Elliott is one of the few adults who knew and influenced me from the time I was a bratty pre-teenage kid with a bowl cut all the way through high school and beyond. In our conversation, we cover a lot of ground, from education to the interface between science and faith to the role of sports and youth development, and the importance of long-term mentorship. I've benefited from Coach's leadership all through middle and high school, and I'm excited to now share his wisdom and perspective with you here. Enjoy. Okay, and we're good. So uh, this week, we're going back to, to seventh grade and to my high school soccer coach, uh, Brian Elliott. So Coach Elliott, thank you. Uh, thank you for coming on today. Well, thanks for having me, Ben. It's, uh, it's a real pleasure. Well, I'll tell you, you, uh, uh, you came up in conversation the other day. I saw somebody post something on Facebook about the intersection between faith and science and, and kind of how those two interact together. And, and for the, the listeners, uh, Coach Elliott um, is a high school science teacher, was a, was a middle school science teacher as well, um, and, and also um, a, a person who has uh, shared a bit about his faith. And I remember uh, going back, it must have been, what, biology class, probably my sophomore year. Yep. And I remember you kind of stopping class and, and saying, you know, when, when we talk about faith and when we talk about science, uh, it's important to remember uh, what questions each of those disciplines are answering and that the role of science is to explain the how and that uh, religion is to explain the why. And when you try to get one to answer the other, you're probably going to end up with more problems. So 20 years on, your, uh, your, your lessons are still ringing true and I'm passing them on to others. Uh, I'm glad that you remembered that. Um, I've always believed that, you know, it's, it's not my job. I'm not hired to be a a faith teacher. I'm not a youth minister or a minister of any sort. It's certainly not what the school board hires me to do. So I try to present the science and, you know, let people come to their own decisions. It, 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 you know, we all have to do that. We all have to have that confrontation or discussion with ourselves um, about the things that we accept in our faith and how that affects what we see and hear and touch and feel and measure in the real world. It's physical. And so, yeah, I, I, it's not my job or place. And um, so I've, I've always tried to tried to abide by that. I'm sure I've made mistakes. I'm human, but that's been my goal anyway. Well, and I, I think we're at a time where I, I don't know if it's because of the need to simplify everything down to a meme or what, but we try to view everything monolithically. You know, it, it's wh whatever it is that defines you, everything gets put through that lens. And, and I think that in most cases, we, you know, that approach of, you know, what, what do we find in this discipline? What do we find in that discipline? And, and being able to separate out the two is, is huge. I'm, I, I'm, I'm assuming that uh, the conversations you, you would have around faith and science in a classroom now are a lot different than what they would have been in 1998. Yeah, I, today, I, I just don't have those conversations. <laughs> <laughs> That's safe. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and, and part of it is I don't want to influence someone's religious thought process. I can, I can show you a picture, uh, you know, a microscope and we can 
we can look through a microscope and you can see the cell for yourself. I don't have to convince you that it exists. Do you know what I, and, um, yeah. whereas, uh, for faith, it's, it, that's something that, that, that each person has to come to on their own, uh, how, how you approach those things. And I, I just feel strongly that that's not my calling. I certainly never discerned in any way that that's what I was supposed to be doing. Um, I'm sure we all have an impact on others. You set an example, you lead your life, um, you make mistakes, you know, people see that, but me living my life is different than, than me telling a bunch of sophomores, you got to believe this, reject what your pastors tell you, or, you know, or reject the science and accept what your past, you know what I'm, does that yeah, make sense? Absolutely. And I think it's, it's more of a question of who were you going to for your answers and what questions are you asking? Um, and I, and I think, uh, having worked in, in public health for a bit, uh, when, when we were in, in Swaziland, um, and, and knowing a lot of the leaders in epidemiology, I, I don't want to hear what a politician has to say about epidemiologies. I want to know what an epidemiologist has to say. Um, and in a lot of ways, I, you know, I'm, I'm, if I'm asking a faith question, um, a scientist is is not necessarily the right person to ask that question of. And, and it's not that it's not that views are singular and you can only um, have a valid response on one side of of, uh, of your of your life. But I I do think that uh, in in some ways we have lost our ability to be nuanced, um, our ability to say you know I believe this but I don't understand that. Um, and I, I, when you say you don't have those conversations anymore, I don't, I don't blame you. There's tons of conversations I don't have anymore. Um, right. and I, I think we're worse off for that. Um, I, I wish we were just better at having civil conversations about difficult topics. For sure. Um, I'm, I'm not afraid to take a stand from the science perspective. Um, but again, I, I feel like my role, you know, I, I probably had those conversations more. And you were in a special group, okay? Um, I knew you as a soccer player student uh, for six years. Most most high school teachers might have a kid once or twice in their whole four years of high school. Yeah. So um, I knew you, and of course I knew your parents, and I knew Tim, and so I knew you and your family on a different level. Um, the same with like uh, um, with the other people that you knew, you know, <laughs> on the soccer team. I could have conversations with you guys that I couldn't have with someone who might be in my class one time, you know, um, you and I can have a faith discussion. Yep. Yeah. It, if I, as a teacher step on somebody's toes, then they shut me out and you know, I, I can't, it makes it almost impossible to do my job to get, to get the science. across. So, yeah. And, and actually that's something I, I want to come back to um, in, in terms of what it, uh, what it means to be a coach, particularly over, over that many years um, and, and kind of what opportunities that gave you. But I, I think we kind of have to start by, by setting the stage uh, before we, we started recording the call, we were struggling with the math to try to count back to how many years ago and how old we were in, in what would have been 1994 or five um, in that area. So just really quickly, uh, since we're talking about sports this week, walk me through kind of how you ended up where you're at. You're, you're in Somerset, Kentucky, which is uh, where I grew up. Um, and I know you through coaching. And so I only know a, a, a brief part of kind of your journey in sports and your journey in, in teaching. So catch us up on that. Okay. So um, I ended up here um, in 92, 93 was my first year of teaching. And so this is, I'm finishing my 29th year. My second year of teaching. Well, okay. So the first year, 
first or second year. It's too long ago now. Um, <laughs> Mr. Cawthorn came to me because we didn't have a middle school soccer team. We had uh, quite a few eighth graders and they're like, Mr. Elliott, come watch us play soccer this week. So uh, I didn't have anything else to do. So I went to a lot of their home games and watched the soccer. And I guess parents saw me sitting in the stands. The kids would say, hey, Mr. Elliott came to my game. I would say hi to him after the game. So they saw me. And uh, and so Mr. Cawthorn, the principal, came to me and said, I need a soccer coach. And I said, Mr. Cawthorn, I, I played football in high school. I don't know anything about soccer and he said it's okay uh we'll, i'll get you a book and a video and uh that's in where the days it, before youtube yes and it was vcr right, right. <laughs> uh I, so here i was taking notes from a vcr trying to learn something about a game i truly never played in any organized way right so yeah that's how that's how i started and i guess the first year you would have been a seventh grader my yeah. first year coaching um, which would have been 94, 95, I think school year. Okay. And then uh, just following up, I, I know right after I graduated in 2000 and then 2001. So the next school year is when the team went, what is it? Uh, grade well, eight, sweet 16? Right. Yes. yes. We, uh, we made it to the grade eight. Uh, it was the 2000, 2001 school year. That was the class. So I guess I should explain this. Um, so when, you were a sophomore in high school. I became the varsity coach here yep. at the high school. So uh, for you, I got to coach you um, six years. For the group behind you, um, I got to coach for seven years. I coached all through their middle school and then the high school four years. So I was with those guys for seven years and with your class for six. I think I continued coaching a year or two after that. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how it happened. Um, you know, when you, you I, I coached you for a long time. Now then did, didn't you also move to girls soccer coach for a bit? Um, yeah, right after, um, it just worked out that the girls coach resigned. Um, and then, um, the principal, Mr. Deaton came to me and, and said, uh, we need a girls coach um, you're, you're it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I did that for just one year and then took a big hiatus, uh, four or five years. They needed a girls coach again. I came back and coached four or five years, I think in a row again. So I think I, I got a total of, I think I got a total of 15 years of coaching at the high school level and about six or seven at the middle school. It, it goes by so quick. I, uh, um, I also started playing rec soccer again uh, about a year ago, right before COVID started. Um, and so I, I play in the old fat men league uh, where, you know, everybody kind of, you call your own fouls. You, yeah. Everybody's just trying not to get hurt is the biggest objective, but oh, it's been, it's been great to kind of have that experience of team sports again, because yeah. when you're, you know, if you go out and run and you're a marathon runner or you know, 10 K runner, you know, that's great. But when you've got a team you're playing for, you've got other people always making you better. And, um, and, and hopefully you're, you're doing uh, better to, in, in order to help the team. So I, I do see sports as being a huge part of, you know, of growing up, of maturing, of developing strong relationships, um, developing, you know, skills you need in life. I mean, it's not for everybody, but uh, I, I definitely see it as an avenue for personal betterment. And I'm sure you've seen that way more having coached as, as long as you have. Absolutely. And the reason I walked away from the girls when I did, and we had a great group and, and I really enjoyed that group. Learning to coach girls was a transition in itself. Um, but I, I think I'd begun to do that fairly well. Um, but I realized one day I'd coached my son's soccer 
uh, you know, it didn't conflict. It was in the spring, I think. And when he was like four and five and then he was getting into football and playing soccer in first grade or so I was missing his practice to run practice for other people's kids. Mm. And um, as much as I loved those kids and had nothing to do with them, I just felt there was something something wrong in, in that diagram. So I, uh, I, I quit coaching and um, I, I took him to practice every day for his football. And then I actually, when he was in second grade, began coaching elementary football and peewee football. And I okay. did that for six years with him um, or five years. Well, and I mean, it is a, it's a huge time commitment. And yes. you think about um, the compensation that comes, particularly for a high school or, or middle school coach versus the number of hours you put in. But, but more than that, I, th- I think it's the emotional side. Um, and and I'm, I'm also kind of viewing this through the lens of uh, Beth's father, who's coached his entire life just about, I, I think he was even an assistant coach for PC soccer when, um, you know, way, way back in the, in the day. So, right. um, you know, I, I know how much of a, of a, uh, time commitment, but also emotional impact. And and we all know teachers who are happy to do their, you know, 7.30 to 3.30 there. But I, I think that if you try to get into coaching or you're interested in getting in coaching um, right from the get-go, you know that that's not a person who who's just trying to do the bare minimum when it comes to connecting with kids. So I, I've always appreciated that about you. I never had any intention whatsoever of being a coach. It never entered my mind. Hmm. Um, when I, I, I mean, I enjoyed sports. I enjoy watching sports. I'm a book, huge Buckeye fan, as you know, the, uh, I never, that was never a thought in my mind. Uh, it just something I fell into. And, and I have to say the relationships I built with you and your group and the, the group in front of you and the group behind you and the groups behind you, because I coached them for so many years, the middle school, and the high school, you know, there were a couple of classes that I coached seven years. Right. Um, you hang out with the same people, whether they're kids or not for seven years, you build a connection. And, um, you know, from your brother and you and, you know, so many others, uh, I just can't begin to tell you how blessed I was because that was one of, if not the highlight of my career, um, not as a coach, as, a, as an educator. Uh, because it was the best, the very best of times looking back. You know, I don't remember yelling at anybody, but I'm sure I did. <laughs> After all, I don't, uh, I don't remember that. I only remember uh, the good times, as, as they say. Right. Um, and for me, that truly was one of, if not the highlight of my career. Well, did you find that it changed the way that you taught when you got out of coaching? Um, certainly. Uh, you know, the biggest thing... <laughs> You can ask my students now. They're like, why are you yelling? I'm like, I'm not yelling. I'm just a coach. I learned a lot. You know, you got to enunciate. You got to get those words uh, across the soccer field. No, I mean, yes and no. It, it's hard to build that same relationship with students in a classroom. For, you know, you, you see them for 50 minutes, you know, maybe 150, 60 times a year. Uh, and so you do get to know kids. And that's important. I've always been a good teacher and I think a coach because I open myself up and and I, I share with them and I, I want to get to know them as humans. But um, yeah, I, I don't know that I've taken any lessons from coaching into the classroom. If I have, it's been subconscious. 
Right. Well, and I think it's just, it's different. I mean, anybody on the soccer field has made a commitment to be out there, wants to be out there, um, you know, is, is submitting. Uh, and I, I don't, I use that word without negative connotation, you know, is submitting to leadership um, to help guide them and coach them. But if you get put into biology class, you didn't sign up for it. And so I think, it, I think even the types of relationships you're going to have are going to shift between a, a coaching relationship and a, and a teaching relationship, even if it's often the same kids. Absolutely. I mean, and and just think of the, the the blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, we all left a little little bit of our blood in that soccer field. Uh, I know I've hurt myself down there numerous times. And I'm sure that you did as well. And uh, you know, our our ability to uh, um, bond over that. You know, that's that's something that's not really apparent in the classroom. It's it's much more difficult than I, I'm afraid. If I tried to to do something like that, it would come off as it's yeah. false. Yeah, it's it's tough. Well, and I and I think I, I knew this, but you hearing you say it kind of makes it more real. The fact that you did move up between middle school to high school, following the same group, um, in many cases from before puberty until you know after they've graduated and and have you know started their careers. Um, that also makes it a, a different piece to see that transition. Because even if in most cases, I think if you if you um, have a coach, it's probably going to be one coach for one year and another coach for another year, or, yeah, you know, definitely yeah. not across that, that whole transition of, of right, you know, yeah. sixth, seventh grade that, until that graduating. Big gap from sixth grade to senior, you know, massive uh, seventh grade to senior. That's uh, it's phenomenal. It, it was truly one of the joys of my life to coach those groups. Uh, we got to know each other so well. Yeah. And, and I look back, I was, I was thinking about, uh, I, I found, I think my, I think the first year um, that we played when our, our uniforms consisted of red shirts and that was about it um, in, in seventh grade. My, my cousins were here this weekend and he's playing for Northern uh, soccer now. And okay. I was able to tell him, you know, I, I was on the inaugural Northern middle school soccer team. <laughs> and so, and seventh grade Ben Kickert is way different than senior Ben Kickert and is way, way different than uh, one of my 30, 38 year old Ben Kickert now. I think one of the things that gets lost too, and, and I don't want to make it sound like I was terribly immature, although I'm sure I was, but I grew up a lot too. Um, I was not the same person at the beginning of that six year stretch or at the end of that six year stretch as I was at the beginning. Um, I grew as, as much uh, from learning from you guys um, and in many ways, just about, you know, growing and getting better and working hard. And, you know, I learned a lot too. I, I learned not just about coaching, but about just being a, being a person. Um, I, I, it's a two-way street. You, you learn from, and the same thing in the classroom. I learned from my kids as well as they learned from me. At least I hope they learned from me. Yeah. Well, and I think we were talking before we started recording, um, just kind of catching up about what's happening in Somerset. And I am one of those people that when I graduated, after I moved out of my parents' house, I had not spent more than a week back in Somerset since. And I don't want to psychologize it too much, but there was a part of me kind of looking at that time and looking at the changes and, um, you know, when I was talking to the to the other hosts about this interview, I, and I, I told you this as well, like, you know, there, there's a side of me that even talking about these changes that do happen, you know, between sixth grade and, and 12th grade, 
um, there's a lot of things that I either want to forget or make amends for. And uh, very few people besides my parents probably saw that transition as much as, as you did. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that I'm one of, you know, many people that you've seen kind of make that transition from immature into rebellious into, um, you know, trying to find themselves and then uh, hopefully into into something successful, but uh, yeah, it's 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 sometimes tough to look back and admit where we were, um, but that also makes you know realizing where we're at uh, all the more um, impactful, I guess. Yeah, I I, I don't remember any negative. Uh, I I remember you being quite argumentative, um, and <laughs> that usually, hasn't changed. <laughs> usually, uh, I would have to do something. I was trying to get something done. I was trying to get a practice run or, or, or get some kids, you know, get something done. And, and you were wanting to have a conversation and, and I was usually <laughs> probably a little more abrupt than I wanted to be because I just had something to do. Uh, I do remember you being, yeah, you wanted that you wanted to know, you wanted to know all the reasons why of something. And uh, as an adult running a soccer practice, I didn't have the time uh, <laughs> through all of the reasons why. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. And I'm, I'm laughing because um, my parents are the only people I think that have listened to every episode so far. And I know that they're going to be cracking up at this point because um, I, I don't know if that changed from the time I was four. And it certainly hasn't changed until now. So um, yeah, I, I think you've, uh, I think you nailed that one. <laughs> so, but, but I also think like I, I look at it and I mean, I I think that I had my rebellious years a little bit earlier than than most, um, and and I think that you know, especially that that transition um, between uh, middle school to high school um, was where I really. I, I still have memories where I think back, and this is not on the soccer field, um, of thinking back and thinking, man, I, I was an asshole. Like some of the things I said and and some of those I have reached out to people and, and been able to, to kind of make that change. And part of that is, I think, just the difficulty of that of that time period. Yeah, it's it's an interesting, I guess it's just an interesting perspective to, to be able to say, you know, that these were not my best moments. These, these are where I am. Um, the moment that came to mind, I, I don't know why I'm voluntarily bringing this up, but was it uh, Georgetown soccer camp when I snuck out to go, go see the girl that I'd met from uh, Eastern Kentucky. And we ended up having to have an entire team meeting um, yeah. about it that ended up taking way longer because I was stubborn and argumentative. So <laughs> Uh, yeah, but the, uh, again, I I wouldn't call that as holish behavior. I would refer to that as a typical what 15, 16 year old kid. Right. I think, uh, you didn't do anything that the rest of them. You were just brave enough to actually act on. <laughs> so um, I heard I heard it a long time ago. The only true asshole in the world is the asshole who doesn't know he's an asshole. So uh, meaning we're all. <laughs> We all have those tendencies to, at some point in our lives, be difficult for others. And uh, the fact that we're all able to look at it and cringe a little inside, if you can do that, I think that's a good thing. And if, and if you don't, then, then, then you know, that, that maybe you don't know you are. So, but yeah, it's, I think it's all part of uh, um, trying to find yourself, um, which actually kind of brought me to one of my other questions, like working in the age groups that you have. Uh, especially when you're when you were in middle school, but then you know working with you know freshmen and and sophomores in in high school, like that is huge emotional and physical transitions that that are coming. Like, do how do you see your role as a teacher um, or as a coach in in kind of helping across that, or is it something you just kind of observe after twenty years and say, yep, it's it's going to be rough, and we're going to figure out where we where we end up at the end of it. It's rough on everybody. Um, I, I found 
middle school to be not coaching, uh, speaking in the classroom specifically, uh, to be much uh, harder than high school from that perspective. Because uh, the kids at middle school, they need every possible combination of an adult and their life in you. They need a parent, they need a friend, they need an uncle, they need a grandparent, they need a doctor, they need a psychologist, they need a counselor, you know, uh, that's middle school. High school, you know, even freshmen certainly probably need some of that, but uh, it's it's on the tail end because they are starting to find their own ways. But the majority of kids, you know, I'm I'm not talking 100 percent here. Right, um, right. But um, I found high school to be a much less emotionally draining aspect for me to teach or a group for me to teach than than middle school. Middle school I found to be extremely draining on on my own emotions, um, whereas at high school not not nearly as much. I don't know if that yeah. It, it does. And it actually makes me think about, you know, going back in the conversation um, about the group that, you know, that, that you were with from sixth grade through high school and, and for them to be able to transition their own relational needs through that to kind of build that trust early on to know that they had somebody who who was interested in their you know psychological, their mental, their their physical yeah. needs. And then to be able to move past that, but kind of have that trust to be like, yeah, that was there. And, and I mean, I've already, I've already said it, but it, it's really striking me as we're talking about how few people have that adult figure that can be stable for them outside of their parents or, or family from kind of the, the beginning of uh, the troubles um, through, through the beginning of, uh, of, of middle school and, and the challenges. And then to be able to get to that spot where it does transition into a, a more, I don't want to say health. I, I, I was going to say healthy, but it's not that the other is unhealthy. It's just time appropriate. And I think then move to the place that you know now we are a couple decades on and and talking um, talking as peers and talking about you know hey let's grab a beer next time I'm I'm in Somerset and I think I think that's a healthy transition. But very few people are able to have that beginning to end uh, with adults just because of the dynamics of of society. I think it's amazing what that uh, your those groups of boys that are now men what they've done with their lives to, to stand back from the distance that I am and have having seen you as a non-family member from sixth grade or seventh grade on and to see how, how you've all grown and what you've done. And it's, it's gives you, I don't want to say I'm prideful, but it makes me feel yeah. good that I had any kind of positive impact on that. Yeah. Cause well, you guys have all made the world a better place. And, and that's really what I have tried to do with my career and teaching and coaching leave the world a little bit better than I found it. I mean, I, I don't think it's just sports. I, I think that in general, the older you get, the less opportunities you have for non-age and gender bound relationships. And oh. like, if you think about sports, it's going to give you a longevity of connection that you wouldn't have previously. Um, it's going to give you an intensity of relationship because you're, you know, you're dealing with, a, um, you know, it, with, with shared goals and, and with, um, you know, shared objectives. Um, so I think anything that is going to give you a, a different type of relationship than what you're going to get besides, you know, the people you're going to go have a beer with at, at the end of the workday is, is always going to be healthy. And, and it is amazing, you know, to, to look and, and to see that from my perspective. And it makes me feel good about my time. here. <laughs> as, as it should. Well, we're, we're talking about transitions and, and I don't know if this will be interested, interesting to many of our listeners, but it's interesting to me. Um, we were talking earlier about how Somerset has changed. And again, I've, I've spent very little time there. I'm, I'm curious how 
our little um, town in, in Eastern Kentucky has changed in the last uh, 20 or so years. And what, what have I missed? Okay. First of all, you can have a beer at the end of the day. Right. Uh, that, that's a tremendous change. They actually, you know, have more shops, more traffic, more, more, all that stuff, more people. Um, it, it's not bad. It's, it's a great community. And I, I love this place. Uh, you know, I've been here for 29 years. I didn't know that I would like it as much as I do and have. Uh, at the same time, there's a part of me, as I think I mentioned uh, beforehand, as I approach my retirement to uh, to head north, I want, like you said, your dad. I want I want four seasons again. <laughs> I want I want I want a snow season uh, like I used to have in Ohio when I was a kid. Um, I miss that. So yeah, I don't. and and I'd say like I I am very grateful for my time uh, in in Somerset and growing up in Eastern Kentucky. Um, I think it shaped me. I think that uh, having that as a perspective is useful. Like I can't tell you how many times I'm in a political discussion, particularly with uh, uber liberal people who just don't understand that that what the other side is thinking. Um, and, and I'm, I'm grateful. Sometimes it drives me crazy, but I'm grateful that my Facebook feed or Twitter feed is, is filled with people from across the, the spectrum. And it, it gives me, um, you know, it, it gives me a, a viewpoint um, outside of an echo chamber. And I think that that's a, a useful place to be. Um, but getting off of politics as quickly okay, as I can. Um, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious, what is, uh, what is keeping you busy these days? If you're not, uh, if you're not coaching. Um, well, uh, my own son, uh, you know, uh, got my own kid. He's 16 and, um, he's, uh, a, a football player. Um, and so, you know, just like your parents with you, I'm sure. And you with yours, uh, you know, driving him here, dropping him off there, going <laughs> to this game, going to that game, uh, got practice here, practice there, you know, uh, that keeps me busy. Um, I read a little bit, uh, when I can just try to watch wholesome, intelligent television. It's not always findable. You know, I, I, I read. You were talking about doing some hiking where we, we were yeah, we connected I, on this a, a few years ago. Yeah. That was when I figured out I had some knee issues. Uh, <laughs> I, I, that didn't go quite as planned, but um, uh, yeah, I, I, I still managed even with my Damon's knees. I, I spent uh, was a total of 26 days in the woods. And uh, I, I think I ended up hiking I don't know. It was close to 200 miles of awesome. the trip that I had really originally started. It was really great. In those 26 days, I lost 30 some pounds. Wow. Uh, so if you're really, if you're really wanting to lose a few pounds, that's the way to do it. Just, oh, I, I found them. <laughs> what, my knees, yeah, what my knees couldn't do at the time was uh, allow me to, to go straight through with a, a full pack. Um, so uh, I had to re replan and, and uh, I just used my car as a base camp, mobile, mobile base camp, I'd hike in with a light pack, yep. uh, maybe just my tent, spend the night, hike a little more the next day, uh, hike back out, camp with the truck, go the other direction. Um, and so that was, I, I missed sections of the trail doing that, but uh, that was all my knees could handle. Were you doing AT? No, no, I was doing uh, the North Country Trail. Okay. I started at uh, Mackinac, yeah. downtown Mackinac City. And headed south um, back to um, Central Michigan, um, where I was leaving my truck with friends. And um, the second day, my knee—I <laughs> made it about seven, eight miles the first night, which is good, uh, you know, because I wasn't—and I've been working on conditioning, but I still wasn't prepared for the 
55 pound pack or whatever, because right. I didn't have a food drop or anything for uh, 14 days. So um, yeah, had extra stuff. So the first day was fine. Got up in the morning, uh, hiked about four miles. I only had an eight mile hike that day and it was going to come to a campground in Wilderness State Park. And so, I mean, it was, of course, I was up at first light. And so it was 11 o'clock or 1030 or something. I'd hiked half my hike. So I laid down, took a nap. And when I woke up, my knees were like basketballs. Yeah. Uh, they wouldn't even bend. <laughs> I was like Frankenstein uh, going down the trail. So the next four miles took me almost eight hours. Oh my goodness. Um, I got to camp that night about 8 9 o'clock. Uh, got my tent set up, crawled in it, didn't really come out uh, for a couple of days. And uh, so that, that's when I knew I had to reevaluate what I was doing. Yeah, I don't blame it. Well, if, if you need to uh, have another short term or longer term trip, you're, you're always welcome here in Asheville. So we, well, we are you. not, uh, not lacking for hiking opportunities, which is oh. part of the reason when we came back, we said we could live anywhere in the U.S. and um, we, we love what Asheville has to offer. So we, we've converted our basement to a guest area specifically for people who are just passing through. So you're welcome to it anytime. All right. Well, I appreciate that, Ben. That's awesome. Final question for you. How has the school changed? Um, I, I was looking, I was actually lo- uh, looking on, on the website and I, I, w- I saw how many science teachers there were was one of the things that I, that I noticed. Yeah. Right now we have, um, I think there's eight or nine science teachers right now. And, um, when, when No Child Left Behind changed public education in America forever. So um, at that point, uh, the real transition began, began. But we got in trouble a few years back. Uh, it was a transition year between kind of principals and they were changing the state assessment. And some people said it didn't matter. So kids didn't take it serious. And we, we got taken over by the state for five years. Oh, I didn't realize that. Um, and we've come out of that and we're one of the best high schools in the state now, um, the top, um, you know, 15 or so high schools, 20 high schools, depends on your measuring stick and whatnot. Um, but we've done very, very well coming out. So I think in many ways, the story of PC over the last few years has been the same story in education, you know, uh, Hmm. across the country. There's, um, everyone talks about trying to get kids to think. Um, and to think critically. And I think that's really important. It is important to think critically. However, if you don't know anything, what are you really thinking about? Right. <laughs> so uh, it, it's great. Uh, but I, I, and I, I hate to sound like an old buddy that either and a conservative. So I, I've always tried to focus on the content. Um, that's uh, my passion. And I think I'm good at breaking down complex things to, yeah. to ways kids understand. And, and I make it entertaining, but kind of old fashioned in the classroom. I'm a bit of a dinosaur these days. Um, <laughs> uh, that's true. And uh, so it won't be a bad thing for me to transition. Yeah. And, and I think, I think you're right. I think you have to have the the baseline and, and I've had the conversation with friends of the same way about faith is that you have to have a starting spot to be able to think critically about it. Um, and I, and I do encourage everybody to think critically about faith, but I think that, you know, having something as a starting spot is, is important. And I, I look at, you know, I look at education in general and the farther you get, the more, what you're learning is how to learn. Um, and, and I still contend that a master's program is 90% um, learning how to learn as opposed to <laughs> learning specific things. And, uh, but yeah, I agree. I think you, you have to have the starting spot in order for that to, in order for that to work. And, and faith is a good example of that. I, I really believe, uh, are you believing that because you were told to believe it in which case are how, you're not able to think critically or have you, have you examined it? Have you researched it? Have you, 
Have you studied for yourself? Have you reflected? Have you prayed? You know, and I think those are uh, important questions that often get overlooked. Yeah. Well, last question for you for the upcoming year, where do you see Ohio state finishing? <laughs> oh gosh. New quarterback, man. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Justin Fields has been phenomenal. I think we've got a real deal coach though. I got to say Ryan day is a real deal coach. Um, and uh, I like him a lot. I like him. I like his style. Uh, we've only seen two seasons of it, but I, I even like it uh, better than Myers. Um, to be honest with you, it's not quarterback off right tackle every time. Um, so, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, yeah, I've, uh, I'm excited. I think, uh, I think they win the big 10. Um, I think they win the big 10 again, uh, whether there's a loss or two along the way and, we don't make the playoff wouldn't shock me just because we're breaking in a new quarterback. Gotcha. With that being said, they recruited very high. So who knows? <laughs> there you go. The important, the important questions. Well, I, I think I say this in every interview, but um, the most significant part about doing this podcast um, has always been having an excuse to call people up and to reminisce and to um, be able to, yeah, just have conversations that haven't been had in, in quite a while. So thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and agreeing to uh, agreeing to come on. Ben, it's been a true pleasure. And uh, I would encourage anybody that does listen, if Ben calls you, it was a very enjoyable and painless process. <laughs> so take advantage of the chance to catch up and you're welcome to call me anytime. We, we appreciate it. Thank you for following along to today's episode. I will say that in addition to the discussions included here, Coach Elliott and I spent a long time reminiscing and discussing the great group of guys who all grew up under his leadership. We kept most of that out to maintain privacy, but I do want you to know that you all were fondly remembered. I know I'm a better person for having been a part of those teams. Be sure to join us in the coming weeks as Terry and Rod share their own interviews on the role sports and outdoor adventure plays in developing people and relationships. As always, you can catch up on any episodes you may have missed by visiting www.ivejourneyed.com. Until next time, take care.